Alright, well welcome back to the first and only podcast dedicated to judging the Irish. As always, I am your host, Samantha Pomeroy, and I thank you for tuning in today. After last week's episode on the Irish flag versus the Italian flag, which I got many comments about, and you know, I, I do understand your concerns over picking such a heavily debated topic, um, I've decided to pick a much less controversial topic, one that I believe no one will disagree on, not at all, uh, Irish politics. But you know, just in case there is anyone that would have strong opinions about such a subject, for today's episode, we're only going to be discussing a book about Irish politics, or, well, the people involved in Irish politics. The book is Ten Men Dead by David Beresford, published in 1987. It's an account of the 1981 Irish hunger strikes that occurred in the Long Cash prison in Belfast? Which, you know, I have to pause and judge that for a second real quick, because is it Belfast? Belfast? I don't know, I don't even know if the Irish know. But anyway, for context, the hunger strike was done by prisoners who had committed political crimes and were wishing for different treatment because of the uniqueness of these political reasons behind their crimes. Throughout the book, Beresford maintains a fairly neutral and semi-formal voice. He aims to give a mostly unbiased view of both sides of the issue. Um, Though he focuses more on the prisoners and the hunger strikers, he also does give a pretty neutral account of the situations and opinions of those who oppose the hunger strikers. Pretty much the only times that there are any sort of breaks in that neutral style are when he is either introducing hunger strikers or those who are heavily involved in the strikes or discussing the deaths of the strikers. Those are the moments where he, very subtly, because he does never really really use any sort of strong wording, um, will be less neutral and take on a voice that's a bit more sympathetic. His wording not being strong is indicative of his understanding of the audience, because when this book came out in 1987, and even now, the politics of the situation were heavily debated and controversial topics, so even though he tries to be a little bit more sympathetic towards the prisoners, he's careful not to be too sympathetic or forgiving, because there are those in the audience who haven't forgiven. Because he can't really utilize word choice as much, Beresford mostly focuses on the organization and structure of his book. He uses four main ways of telling the story. The first is factual explanations of what was happening, the second is third-person narratives, the third is letters, and the fourth is first-person narratives. Often these four are used in that exact order, especially when explaining the more emotional parts of the story, such as the hunger striker's deaths. Um, The first part, the factual explanations, don't really use any sort of rhetorical strategies. They're mostly just neutral explanations of a situation meant to help the audience understand. From the explanations, he often goes into third-person narratives, or what are probably just remembered accounts of certain events. While these are also done to aid audience understanding, they also begin to introduce pathos into his writing. When he goes from a factual explanation of who a prisoner was and what they did to end up in prison, to a third-person story that tells more in detail about their values, their attributes, and who they were as a person, Beresford allows for the audience to understand the prisoners and hunger strikers as people, and to relate to their emotions or feel emotional over their experiences. The deaths of the strikers all are also written in this more personal style, allowing for the audience to more fully feel the emotion of their death. Um, following these third-person accounts are often letters, letters from prisoners, hunger strikers, political officials, um, just other people involved in the hunger strikes. These letters often gave personal reactions to the deaths of the hunger strikers by people who knew them, which allows for the audience to connect more with the prisoners and sympathize with them. Um, And finally, often following the collections of letters were short first-person accounts of the conditions of the prison. The pathos here is the same as the previous sections. It allowed for the audience to better understand and therefore have a better emotional connection with what life is like for the prisoners. However, this section also introduces ethos. Because these sections give clear descriptions of what the prisoners were living through, 
even though the language is mostly neutral and not very strong, ethical questions are still raised on if these conditions are humane, if they're self-imposed, if them being self-imposed negates the lack of humanity, and many other moral questions are raised, meant to kind of subtly create sympathy even in those who disagree with the prisoners. Rosford aims to tell the story beyond just its politics. While he does intend for the audience to have a full understanding of the political and social aspects of this story, he mostly focuses on who the hunger strikers and prisoners were as individuals. His purpose for writing this way was to show that he feels in some ways individuals are more important than their cause or their situation, that the stories of individuals fighting for a movement belong more to humanity than they do the movement itself. Whether you agree or disagree with someone's cause, the humanness of their actions while fighting for that cause should not be overlooked in favor of detachedly analyzing their impact. That's all for the book then, but stay tuned because we got a sponsor. This episode is sponsored by Lucky Charms. No, actually, that's a joke. I don't think after that it's not we pulled a couple episodes back we'll ever get sponsored by them, but you know, one can dream. Anyway, we did actually get a sponsor though. This episode is sponsored by the Irish Wars 1919-1923 exhibit of the National Museum of Ireland. It's an exhibit that aims to increase public understanding of this complex period in Ireland's history. It sounds cool, so do check it out if you ever happen to be in Ireland. Though, um, you know, it actually looks like, um, yeah, it looks like it's about, like, the situation, you know, not really the individuals. It's about wars, not soldiers and but hey i'm here to judge the irish not the irish who pay me in sponsorships so thank you again irish wars exhibit for sponsoring today's episode and thank you dear listener for tuning in next episode we'll explore the top 10 worst songs by irish artists to ever become hits and we'll be joined by a guest who is at least 13 percent irish and can kind of play guitar thanks again for tuning in today hope you enjoyed and i'll see you in the next one